Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Celine Yeager, a.k.a. the Fit Chick of Bicycling Magazine. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Celine, you're back home. I am back home. It's kind of funny because I feel like I never left home. I mean, I feel like I did. It's, this ride has generally started in other states, right? Oh. So we, yeah, so often we... We go to like New Hampshire, or West Virginia or some other place and come back home, as the case might be. But since it started in Pittsburgh, the last two days felt we like we were really close to home because we were kind of really close to home. You know, we were uh, on former on, stomping grounds. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more familiar. And that was it was kind of cool. It was kind of, you know, we had friends come and meet us at different points in the ride which was fun you know it's Neat. just like to see people and support us and there were friends that would be waiting on the top of like hawk mountain or at the top of the mount penn hill climb which is now like one of the national championship hill climbs we did that along the way cool um yeah so it was cool it was cool in that way is it that a lot of people that have supported us could physically come out and see us and support us and write some chalk on the road and have lunch with us and stuff so that was that was very very cool but it was uh Pennsylvania is a very hilly state. I mean, we, yeah. we deliberately hit hills, of course, but the uh, this this one was one of the hardest of the nine that I have done it. The stats are pretty are pretty impressive. We hit 537 miles, more than 40,000 feet of climbing Ooh. three. Yeah, that was pro that's the most climbing of any of the rides that I've done and, and most people have done. Um, three days over a hundred, and uh, I had thirty four hours and thirty four and a half hours of ride time. Uh, most importantly, we we raised more than three hundred five thousand dollars. All said and done, um, by the end of the week, which was which was really cool. Yeah, it's like four thousand dollars per person. Yeah, a little more than that. It was it was it was super cool. It was uh, very very satisfying. And you know, along the way, we often have people come and talk to us. You know, cancer survivors and that kind of thing that want to just sort of <laughs> share their stories. And there was a, you know, one of the organizations that we support, which is really pretty cool, is Dream Come True, which is like a local Make a Wish. You know, that's okay. not affiliated with Make a Wish, but it's the same idea, but it's totally local to our area. And um, there was a a young woman who came in. She was nineteen. And she explained it how her junior in high school, when she was a fit, healthy swimmer, she had developed a lot of symptoms that they couldn't figure out. And at some point discovered a large tumor in her chest. And at that point, it had become life threatening to remove this large tumor in her chest. But they were they were successful. Things were looking pretty good. She started Penn State, started feeling sick again. Oh, God. And this time she had developed 
leukemia from her radiation treatments, which is like 1%. Like, it's so rare. But she's like, I specialize in rare. So she needed a bone marrow transplant from her sister. And at 19, she explained that she's going through menopause, which... I I was crying already, but that was just like a gut punch. And uh, her one wish was to go swim with dolphins in the Bahamas. And like the funds that we raise make this possible. Right. So, I mean, it was really pretty crazy. It was it was pretty it was pretty crazy. Another it was funny. The next night, uh, the the person who's in charge of a lot of these dreams follows us along the ride. She's one of our she helps. She's a support angel. And she told us about this other little girl that wanted to see a princess and a volcano. So they were sending her to they were sending her to Hawaii to see both because there's a Disney property in Hawaii. Two, two plate. Yeah. Two birds, yeah. one stone. Which is which is all very cool. But it's funny. A friend of mine was wearing his like little event T-shirt that we got on the ride. To, he was at like the AT&T store two days later wearing it. And the woman came up to him and she's like, hey, do you work for them? He's like, no, I do this ride. And she's like, my daughter is ill and we're going to Hawaii to see a princess and a volcano. Like he met the, the wow. girls. Yeah. I, it, crazy, crazy stuff. So, yeah. Amazing. It was it's I'm still processing. I'm still recovering. <laughs> feeling, I'm feeling pretty good. But I was uh, in, in a very in a very hard. It's sort of hard to grind the gears and get back to. At, at life <laughs> you know life as we know it after it it's yeah it's the it's, it's the prac hangover as we all call it the you know it's, <laughs> when you're it, was, it was seven days of riding it's six days of riding six days of riding okay yeah the first wow. day we drive out to destination and then we okay. ride our bicycles back <laughs> Ooh, yeah that is that's big i mean that's almost 100 feet per mile and 34 and a half hours of ride time that's two really good weeks 17 hours and 45 minutes that's yeah. a big week and you did two of them in six days that's fact and and <laughs> in a it's an interesting thing like and for maybe another discussion to look into but like when i'm it wasn't until maybe the third day like i i get weird sleep at these things where i feel like i never leave rem sleep like uh-huh. i feel like I feel rested and it's like I wake up going, did I sleep? Because it's I never slip past REM. You know what I mean? It's a weird thing. But then finally, I think I get tired enough (laughs) that I just go out for at least one of the nights. But it's a it's a it's a it's the whole experience is a little surreal, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I know what you're talking about. When I camp out that first night of camping, I barely sleep. But you know, you slept very tired, right? Like, because you remember having a lot of dreams, at least I do. I remember having a lot of dreams. So I'm like, okay, I must have at some point, even though I'm feeling like I'm tossing and turning and stuff. I feel like it's mm-hmm. been a long night of just twilight dreamy kind of sleep. It's a weird, it's a weird sensation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not really great for athletic performance as things go. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's what it is. Right, I, right. I felt really good. I did actually feel really good on the ride. Um, I, I felt like the coaching the specific kind of stuff has helped with a lot of the hills and stuff though. It was cool. Anyway, Neat. that was my week. How are you? Are you, I saw you didn't have food poisoning. I saw a little Facebook post. It made me concerned. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just, uh, I, I was fortunate that my desk is close to the bathroom yesterday. Ooh. Um, 
and it it wasn't like you know the the green apple quick step but i my stomach went south all afternoon yesterday and you um, have no idea none like what <laughs> i mean you know if i'd had like a weird burrito someplace or you know ate a lego uh, ate an ego off the ground that my kids had dropped you know i could see either it, of those things <laughs> yeah uh, there wasn't anything i could look back on and go you shouldn't have eaten that that uh that smoothie that warmed up in your car just yeah. nothing like that um huh but right as rain now yeah that's good that's good yeah good. yeah you, you look all right you look, you, got, you have color feeling reasonably rested yeah uh, I haven't done a lot of miles since a week ago, Tuesday. I concluded that I'm still not adequately recovered and people keep saying, oh, you're still tired from Dirty Kansas. It's like, no, it's not real. I can't blame it on Dirty Kansas. It was the double whammy of doing Dirty Kansas and then three weeks later uh, doing the final grasshopper of the season. That was like a backhoe to a sand pit. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so digging back out of that, I didn't I don't think I initially gave myself quite enough rest and I just kind of hovered around almost recovered. And so yeah. now I've really, really dialed it back and uh, we'll just start building from here. And it's fine. It's fine. You know, I've been busy and lots of things to do. So, yeah, good. Yeah. Well, what do you got this week? I'm going to go back to a listener question this week. Um, oh, cool. you know, we've, yeah, we've had a few and then there was one that, that came in that seemed pretty apropos. So I thought I would tackle that. Uh, this one is from our friend, Neil, Neil Winkleman, who is a frequent contributor to the show. Hi, Neil. Um, he said he's got a question for Celine regarding um, pacing for racing, riding long events with a power meter. I only just started using a power meter and was a bit surprised at how much power dropped off over the course of a long ride this week. The ride was a series of long, steady climbs that let me see pretty clearly what power I could sustain for 20 minutes to 60 minute intervals at various points along the ride. Without a power meter, my gut feel would have been that I dropped 10 to 15 percent of my sustainable pace by the end of the ride. But with the power meter, it showed me pretty clearly that it was closer to 25 to 30 percent drop compared to my pace earlier in the ride. It was a tough 220k, which for the other for the mile listeners here is about 135 to 140 miles. So that's that's a big day. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, nine hour day. That's also long with uh, 4,500 meters, and that's that's a lot of vert. That's 14 to 15,000 feet of climbing, which also very big day. I don't know what he was doing. Yeah. This is a big day. Uh, so fatigue at the end is inevitable. Yes, Neil, I would say it is. But a 25 percent <laughs> drop in sustainable power pace. Uh, he's curious. Is that an indication that I went too hard early or is that about what you'd expect for a ride of that difficulty? Um, I am going to even though that is that is a very big ride. I am still going to say that's a pretty precipitous drop in my mm -hmm. estimation. I think mm -hmm. 25 to 30 percent is is a significant fall off in your, yep. in your power. Uh, do, you know, especially I'm, I'm just going to presume a whole bunch of things that this is something that he trained for. that was appropriately sort of tapered for, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, when you're looking at a ride of that duration and difficulty, it's honestly super easy to go even just a little too hard and pay for it later on, which mm -hmm. is what I'm thinking probably happened here. And we talked about this 
around the dirty cans of time, yep. you know, when we were talking about this kind of stuff. It is all about matches and how many matches that you burn. And like you think of a match as like how many times you go into the red, like. And how intensely you tap into those matches, because oh, so when you burn a match, you're tapping into your fast twitch muscle fibers. Right. And those are like <laughs> the really powerful ones, but they eat up a lot of your limited glycogen stores. And if you dig in there, they eat them up pretty quickly. And yeah. uh, they're not inherently built for endurance and they don't in- recover very quickly. So they won't <laughs> be for you at the end of a long ride if you just burn them all in the first half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, yep. that's kind of how it works. Uh, every rider has only so many matches to start their day. Some and, and, and th- there's a, definitely a genetic component to this. I mean, it comes down sure to strength and endurance and conditioning. All that matters. But there are definitely riders who seem to have an industrial size matchbook. And others seem to have just like the kind you get at like the Ponderosa, you know, like they're just like little, <laughs> you know, just just a few. And you've got it. You've got to treat them gingerly. And most riders kind of know where they fall on that spectrum. But, you know, but once you've burned through them, it doesn't matter who you are. You're kind of toast. Your power is going to go down because those yeah. those fast twitch muscles are like done. Need to recover. Now you got the slow twitch. And what is the, what's in the first name of slow twitch slow anyway? so. Um, just for an instance, in this case, I'm thinking if you just spend because he's it sounds like these climbs were pretty long. So if yeah. you spend just like, say, 10 or 15 minutes up one of those sustained climbs going just 10 percent over whatever your functional threshold power is, that's a match. You can kind of do that without even knowing it, you know, mm-hmm. like or without yeah. he- being able to help it. <laughs> you know, to, I don't know how steep these things are, but at some point, like if it gets steep enough, it's really hard not to run a match. I mean, you know, you, you try to spin, you try to do whatever you can, but anyway, I, when I yeah. raced with Rebecca rush, she would always start and maintain her pace all the way through. And it's, it's something that I kind of do too. I have a pretty good regulator, but it's funny. People would be th- the things people say to you, a at the end of the day, people be like, why do you start so slow? And she'd be like, why do you finish so slow? Oh, (laughs) 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 because very often you see these people because they're everyone's full of energy and excitement and they soar off the line only to start going backwards later in the event. And I'm not saying Neil did it, but but if you drop 30 percent power, you probably did find yourself feeling like you were going a little bit backwards. Right. Mm. So. For super long stuff, stage races, Leadville, whatever Neil was doing, which sounds very hard, all the stuff, pacing, pacing, pacing matters. And to prevent late ride fade, you have to practice that. You really do. You have to practice because a lot of times we just don't practice as we race. We just don't. You might burn a bunch of matches and then stop at like Wanamaker's convenience store and grab a panini and a coffee and sit there 20 minutes and you've regenerated. Right. But you. Yep. You're not doing that in a race. You're, no, so I you, picked up on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you have. <laughs> like, so those fibers just aren't aren't going to be able to recover the same way as unless you've been doing that in your training. So ideally, I, you know, I tell people like you want to maintain a pace that corresponds with about 70 percent of your max heart rate, whatever that is. And you don't even need to be staring at your monitor. And I don't think you should be if you're if you're huffing and puffing you're starting to go into match burning territory, right? Yep. Like that's, that's just the indication of it. 
So in general, you want to keep that effort, your heart rate in check for the first half of a long day, no matter how awesome you feel. I don't care if you feel bionic. That's not going to last. Keep it in check. Yeah. Until you can smell the barn and then go ahead and let it rip. Like, have at it. So I want to ask you a question. Sure. How much of this could be? uh, Well, let me time out. Uh, Something I want to remind our listeners is i actually met neil at dirty Kansas, and oh. neil beat the sun okay mm-hmm. he's that kind of writer mm-hmm. <laughs> and we've determined that i'm not <laughs> that kind of writer <laughs> but that's that's an aside so this is a guy who's super super capable mm-hmm. and so one of the things i'm curious about with his question or at least the data that he gave you how mm-hmm. much of this could b- getting fueling or hydration wrong a little bit. And it seems sort of unlikely given that he was able to ride dirty cans in 14 hours, but you know, for anybody else facing something like this, how much could better fueling, better hydration improve upon this? Or is it just matches? I, you, 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 I am, you set me up for my next couple points because those were oh. going to be my next couple points. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's perfect because that, that actually was my next couple points without, if it was not matches, it very likely would come down to the things that you just said. Um, and even a rider, I mean, I will remind you that I blew my nutrition and hydration, threw up on my bike and still was able to finish, I mean, with before the sun because, and Neil probably could do the same thing because you can go real, real fast and then blow up. And if you're decent at recover, still recover and go, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's all just, it's all math at that point. Um, (laughs) So again, for a long day like that is super, super easy. Usually I would blame hydration before I blame nutrition because I think Mm -hmm. people do slip that, you know, hydration is power. Once you get dehydrated, your blood thickens, everything gets harder. Like that's everything gets harder. Fueling becomes harder. It becomes mm-hmm. harder to, you know, digest, sweat, produce power. So if nothing else, make sure that you're drinking like a bottle of something with electrolytes every hour more if it's hot. Like, I think that's just such a really good rule of thumb. Um, this whole week, I like to use I have this visualization I like to use like insulated bottles that have ice in them and make them super cold because it helps create a heat sink in your body, you Mm -hmm. know? So it it just helps like keep your core from overheating and that lets your body work too much better than Mm -hmm. if it, if you don't have that, Um, you know, and, and nibble eating a little bit, even right away. And that's something else that, that Reba, Rebecca always did too. Like she didn't wait an hour and a half to start eating. Like a half hour, 45 minutes into a very long day, she's already pulling food out of her pocket. Like just to make sure all that stuff stays topped off. Because once you have created a deficit, it's, you just then you're going to be shoving a sandwich in your face that your, your body cannot process unless you sit <laughs> down and have a proper meal, which some people do. And that's fine. And it sometimes that's the answer, as we've discussed in previous shows. But, right. you know, like keeping topped off at like 120 to 200 calories an hour is the way to go with, with a bottle on top of that. And, you know, and use your friends. I mean, I don't know how much, um, I don't know how much you did that. We never really did talk about that when you were out in Kansas, but like, 
as we all know, you can conserve a lot of energy if you sit behind someone and loaf in a pack. Like <laughs> if you can, if you have a, the possibility to just like recover within a group, that goes a very long way too. Because then you can play around with the matches a little more and then go back and, rec- you know, have better recovery. But you have to experiment with that. But it definitely helps. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't seem to find much in the way of groups when I was at DK. You just uh, by yourself with, without the right paced people. That can happen. Never, that happens to me all the yeah. time. <laughs> That's the story yeah. of my life. There's some people <laughs> in front of me and there's some, and I'm in no, and I'm like, why am I always here? And I, I have no answers, but it, I am often in that spot, that spot. So I know, yeah. I understand. Yeah. So interesting. Uh, I think it was a piece that you wrote some years back that I first read that a 3% fall off in your hydration, you know, in terms of your, uh, the hydration of your blood, uh, will cause uh, a measurable deficit in performance. And that has stayed with me ever since it hasn't corrected my behavior, (laughs) but I'm at least aware. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's super interesting in that in the field, like when they do it in labs, the dehydration that causes a, a decrement in performance is, is pretty low. When you look at people in the field, they seem to tolerate it better. And I think that's just that makes sense. You know what I mean? When you're having a lab performance, mm-hmm. labs are terrible and that whole experience is terrible and you've got nothing to look at. And um, I think that everything affects performance more in a lab than it does in the real world. But it's definitely once you start inching past three to even five and, and, and most people are going to finish dirty cans of dehydrated. Um, it's definitely, it's definitely, if it's hot, you are, your performance is going to go down period. Your body's going to take care of itself. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the, with the EF team giving like cold towels and stuff out in the, in dirty cans, it was a really nice thing. Cause anything you can do to cool yourself down can, can assist you too. But I'm a big, big fan of the whole, I'm going to make a heat sink. I'm going to put all this cold, you know, fluid in my, in my system and it helps a lot. Yeah, because yeah, it was pretty I hot this week at the perimeter ride. It was like a, it was in the nineties a couple of days, and it's the only thing wow. that gets you through it. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Wow. Now, how long were you taking uh, to do the, you know, each of the days? Uh, were you like stopping for lunch? Was this kind of an all day thing, or were you busting out the miles? Um, it's an interesting thing. So you know, there's like I said, there's like sixty riders and people. A lot of people will just sort of find their pack and ride with their pack the way that they want to ride with their pack. You know, and other people, I, I float a little bit. Like there's, there's some guys who like to hammer it out a little bit and I like to ride with them. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the days, some days I want to break from that, you know, and I, I, I go with a more, you know, socially oriented pace. Uh, I would say that most of the days I, I was, Cause I was feeling pretty good. I was, I was moving along. I was, I was spirited, but we still stop for lunch. We don't stop long, but uh-huh. we, st- we still do stop, take off our helmets, sit down and eat, you know? And that, and okay. that it's a, it's a nice reset because there are people, that, there's actually a family that travels with us that makes phenomenal lunches. Like they make paninis and spread, like they make this whole giant spread of beautiful food and you'd be an idiot. <laughs> to, to not <laughs> to sit just down. Through. Yeah, it, it would just be be ridiculous. So yeah, we do we do sit down. 
but it's, you know, we're moving to a pretty good place. The, the one day that was, and honestly, I do not find that social pace day when I do it easier because you're out there so long. You know, the mm. one day that we went and did the, the Flight 93 Memorial, which, wow, that was, oh, that was hard. That was a, that was very hard. Um, you know, it was, it was definitely a social pace day and it was fun, but it was, it was very tiring in its own way. Because you're, you, mm-hmm. as you know, you're out in the elements, you're out in the heat, you're out there. It's, it's a, it's, it's still hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, oof, wow. Yeah, to combine you know, uh, uh, a series of days that taxing with something with that, uh, emotional weight to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was, that was, it was, uh, it was unexpectedly hard because the last thing you saw was like this wall with everybody's name who died that day. And I, for the first time I saw my friend's name on what I oh. found on one. And it was very, very difficult. It was very difficult, but it was, uh, but you know, but good. It was it was a it was a good day in this in itself. It's whole place is pretty moving. I had never been there. I had I had been to the one in New York, but I had not been to that one. So super glad. And it's it's always something special about we would we went through Gettysburg a couple of years ago, and there's always something really special about taking in those places on a bike, as taking mm-hmm. in any place on a bike, right? You you yeah. you feel more immersed in it. For sure. No question. Yeah. Uh, you know, even when you drive into one of those places and you get out of your car and you walk around, there's still something different than when you ride in and you have the feeling that you're entering the place um, in a very technicolor, you know, 360 degree fashion. Yeah. Makes a big difference. Very different. Yeah. 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 I, I totally agree with that. So. Yeah. So cool. That's wow. uh that's that's my uh, advice on trying not to feed on long rides. <laughs> yeah, uh, and has no, and, there's no guarantees that we all blow it. Still, I still blow it now and then, but um, I tend to be a pretty good regulator. Yeah, it sounds it. Uh, I, I can I can say with some conviction that Neil would have dropped me on that ride. <laughs> uh, on the on what ride? On the ride where he lost twenty five oh, to thirty percent of his power, he still would have dropped me. <laughs> that dude seems that like he rides motor. an awful lot. I've never met him, but man, he seems. I, I, uh, it seems like he does a lot of big things. Yeah, yeah, he is not shy in terms of his ambition as a rider. It's really impressive, and and he's got a big appetite in terms of different things that he does. Uh, not to mention a global perspective on the world. He travels, you know. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't live on the continent where he was born, you know, things like that. Yeah. 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 Cool. Pretty cool life. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Neil. (laughs) What do you have for us this week? Oh, good grief. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. So, (laughs) well, so some weeks back I shared that uh, I am getting a divorce and, uh, that decision has been in place, as you know, for some time now. Uh, and so I'm mm-hmm. a single guy. <laughs> and it's very weird. Uh, so uh, can we talk about dating and being a cyclist? Sure. Uh, well, we're gonna. <laughs> we're gonna. <laughs> so here's the thing. The last time I dated, I was lucky to see a single digital photo of my date. If any photo at all. 
on some online profile. Okay. Now there are galleries where people may post a dozen pictures or more, which is awesome. Unless, (laughs) unless you're a cyclist and most of your pictures are of you with glasses and a helmet on. That is a thing. That is actually a thing. I have been asked for headshots. I'm a professional writer for God's sakes. And I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, they shouldn't have a helmet, should they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, I am a heavily photographed person. And more than 90% of all the photos of me, I'm in stretchy clothing. Totally got it. (laughs) I feel it. The thing is, that's just the tip of the iceberg. The central issue is whether you date another cyclist or not. I mean, okay. I'd love to date another another cyclist because they'd get something that's really central about me and wouldn't lean on me to ride less or ride at different times or whatever. So there's that. But really, what I look for in a life partner is specific enough that it doesn't seem all that likely I would meet that person who also happens to be a cyclist. Um, then there's the whole fact that every woman who isn't a cyclist but finds me interesting enough to talk immediately wants to know if they'll ever see me on the weekends and are often prone to suggest that, well, maybe you'd be better off going and dating a cyclist. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, let's imagine I do date a cyclist. There are all these old lessons that I learned do's and don'ts of riding with a date, which are even stricter. If you're riding with, uh, if you're riding with a, you know, a date as opposed to a partner and they're all coming right. flooding back to me. And really it comes down to, I think, and hopefully we will hear from listeners if I'm wrong about this. Mm-hmm. I think it really comes down to three big rules that I like to operate with. Um, let it be known that I've made mistakes with regard to every single one of these <laughs> with a partner more than once. I am not wagging a finger. Um, If anything, this list is mostly a reminder just for me. Okay. The first biggest rule. And if there was only one rule, this would be the one. If I'm going to ride with a date, I'm likely stronger than she is. That's not the rule. That's just an observation. (laughs) Then on the day we are to ride together. If I really need a hard ride that day for my training or, or my sanity, I do a ride before the ride. I go and get my workout on before I see her. There is nothing worse for someone than meeting another person for a ride. And the whole time, the other person is just drilling it. And I mean, let's think about it. Dudes can get upset about another dude half wheeling them. That's just half a wheel. Try to think about if my date or or how my date is going to feel if I'm a quarter mile up the road from her, um, and I'll also say, while no one is willing to believe me yet, as I said in a previous show, if I ask to go for a ride with you, I want to ride with you, not against you. Honestly, right. I've heard just in, in this period of, of, you know, talking to women and whatnot, I've heard so many horror stories of dudes taking women out for a ride and then utterly dumping them, you know, and it really only does one thing. It guarantees no second date. 
That's a fact. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So another rule. I tend to be more knowledgeable uh, about riding than my than my date is. Um, occupational hazard. Okay. <laughs> In one previous relationship, I was responsible for one hundred percent of my partner's cycling needs. I maintained her bike. I took care of her cycling clothing. You know, all that stuff. Really, all she had to do was get on the bike and ride. Um, and it, honestly, it was a great way for me to show how I cared for her. Um, but if anything ever went wrong, like if, if her bike was a little dirty and the shifting was off as a result, there was hell to pay. Um, maybe that had more to do with that relationship. Mm. <laughs> yeah. What I've learned, <laughs> what I've learned is not to immediately take over the other person's equipment choices, maintenance, training, etc. The real issue I see is that if I do all those things, I may think I'm being helpful, but it can just end up feeling controlling. Um, I've learned that it's better to say I'm here if you want help. And if you want the help, I'd be excited to do anything I can to help. I wait for her to come to me. If we are having a conversation about possible purchases uh, or things of that nature, I'm happy to ask, would you like my help? And I understand that no is a perfectly good answer. Third big real, third big rule. If I'm picking the route, I clear it with my date before we meet. I'm not going to spring a 60 mile road ride with 6,000 feet of climbing on someone for our first ride together. <laughs> Even so, this one can be tough no matter what. If the day is hotter than expected, or if it's a mountain bike ride and the trail is more blown out than the last time I was there, I need to be prepared to go to plan B. And I try to make sure that any ride I do with someone sounds like their idea of a good time, not my idea of a good time. Um, so far, there haven't been too many actual rides with dates yet, um, which is maybe a good thing. I, you know, I'm still thinking I need to check in on this. But Celine, I know, actually, I know from personal experience, people like to confide in you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, you've got women friends. I bet one or two of them single. What are you hearing from your women friends about cycling and dating? I might not be the right sample, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> my my women friends um, are a little unique by and large. Uh, you know, many of them. <clears throat> are uh the stronger ones and you know the, the the maybe the same but the opposite rules apply or they're also thinking like it's a i have seen the phenomenon of which you speak of where a dude will invite his lady friend out you see it on the mountain more than on the road but i've also seen it on the road and and it ends up being a disastrous situation and nobody has any fun and that's the end of that um, you know, it, it, those are all so fine lines to walk, though, because I, I, I would, I would, I wouldn't. It's hard to say how to how to couch the. I'm going to do my ride, and then I'll join you, right? Like, but you oh, also do, so are you yeah. going to do that ride in in secret? 
Do you know what I mean? Like, so in, in case you run into somebody and people are like, oh, we saw you earlier, Patrick. That was a great ride. And then she's like, you rode before we rode? Oh, that's See, cool. I would, I would just drop that up to it. I, I rode over to the start. I would just, I would try right. to dodge it that way. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and, and it's interesting. The, the other, the, the, I, there's just a couple of points. I was just like, when you were talking about, being responsible for that other person. And then when things went sideways, that person is angry, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, that's an interesting dynamic too. I, I, I actually have had friends sort of come in like when, especially when I was newer, but even not new, like guys be like, you know, Oh, you should do this or you should do this. And then I would do it and then it wouldn't work. And then I would get angry with them and I'd be like, don't get angry with them. Get angry with yourself. Like you need to be responsible for yourself. You know, you took that advice. You sought that advice. You didn't trust like whatever it is. Like I've learned over the years, like that's not about them. That's about you. <laughs> I, I, in my opinion, like I feel like. Because um, right, it's so how you're, you're responding you're, to the situation. And I should be responsible for me. Like I, I don't I shouldn't be angry with you trying to set me up properly and then just be like oh well if you didn't blow up my tires to 38 point whatever i would have had a better like that's not that's you know you were just doing what you thought was the right thing uh i'm more angry that i don't know what is the right thing for myself do you know what i mean does that make sense oh yeah 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 i I I think that's that's a that's a that's a funny line to walk to like that's a I think that's a that's that's a tricky line to watch. And I think all of this, this whole discussion points not as much to. Dating a cyclist, per se, as being in a relationship or date, you know, dating is early parts of relationship with someone of a ability level that is different from yours. Right. Like, that's what (laughs) you're actually talking about. I mean, because. What if you dated a woman who dropped you like a safe up every climb? Like, would you be, would you be okay with that? Yeah. I just say, you know, hang on. I'll be up there soon. Would you you say you should do your ride before? Yeah. Like, why don't you ride before and then come meet me? But no, cause I'm not going to tell her how to live her life. (laughs) Oh, hell no. Right. Well, of course, of course. But, but, you know, but, if, but those things if, are tricky. But, like that's that's where it gets tricky is when there's a discrepancy in ability and expectation. And I think ah, that you see that you even go. with expectation. Uh, well, I think it's okay. important just to let go of expectations. You know, you, 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 it's important to set out a game plan and get buy in from the other person. But the moment I start setting expectations about what this experience is before it has unfolded. Right. That is just a recipe for disaster. I might argue that you should have a pretty good idea and and correct me if I'm wrong. Like in the conversations leading up to said date ride, don't you think you'd have a pretty good idea of the caliber experience pace whatever of the person that you're about to ride with um i've had conversations with people where it was difficult to get a handle on you know just how fit they were and i didn't want to interrogate somebody 
Um, you <laughs> What's know? your average mile per hour? Right, right. Because okay. then you What's start. That, what was yeah. the vert on that ride? I need to know the vertical feet on that ride that you averaged sixteen point six miles per hour. Because that's okay if it's a thousand feet for every ten miles, but if it's any less, then I don't know. That's kind of slow. <laughs> you don't do that. <laughs> Is that what? Yeah. You're <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so you know, for me, it's a matter of you know if I'm going to suggest a ride, um, you know, I'll I'll. I'll propose something. Right. Right. And say, you know, how's that sound to you? You know, does it sound workable? Um, and at that point, you know, I just, I try to, uh, ride at a pace that is respectful of the other person, which could also mean absolutely killing myself on her wheel. Right. Um, Many years ago, I met a woman from Denver and we were on a climb and it was like all I could do to stay on her wheel. They're out there. Yeah, Uh, they do. They make lots of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, either way, it's just a matter of, um, you know, behaving in a way that's considerate of the person I'm with. And that's kind of a basic dating rule in the first place, right? Yeah. Oh, that's a... I've been on some groups that they're like, oh, well, come, you know, they'll, they'll invite someone to come ride who's clearly not the pace of the group. And then that person is dropped all the time and of course you regroup but as soon as that person catches up what does the group do the group, <laughs> right mm-hmm. and that person has not had a chance to catch their breath and they are not having a good time um yeah i mean you i i have seen i have seen i have seen that happen on groups and i've seen that happen in in partner situations too it's again again it's just it's it's the thing what you do how do you handle that discrepancy in ability and i think that you know, unless unless you're very close or that or that person aspires to to be uh, to train with you, you know, you have to fi- that's it's all figuring it out. It's kind of it's a, it's a strange dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm out of yeah. practice, as it were. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I get a little rusty at it, but yeah, I don't know. But I do think. I do think it's it's a good idea to uh, to date someone who who is OK with you being out for most of the like or shares that or I don't know, because if that person, if, if the person you're talking about is of such a different ability of you that you're bending your riding that you want to do a lot, will that not cause problems eventually anyway? I'm so, you know what I'm asking? Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, and I have. I have done that in the past. I have curtailed rides that I was going to do because I only had so many hours in the day. Right, to ride. That's kind of what I'm getting to do at. Two hour. And uh, while more privately, I might be a little frustrated with my fitness after, you know, doing those sorts of rides for a month. Um, I'm going to do all I can to make sure that any Delta between my current fitness, you know, and, what it might have been if I'd been doing harder rides. I don't, I don't want that to come out at all. When I do a ride, I'm doing the ride that I want to do. And so if mm-hmm. I'm going for a slow ride with somebody, what I really want is for that person to trust that that's really where I want to be and that they're the person I really want to spend time with. And I'm, a, I'm mystified at how hard that can be to communicate. 
I buy that. But at some point, won't you resent that you're not doing the faster rides that you want to do? I, I've, I, I mean, I've been in this position before and I've never been resentful of the other person. You're an angel. <laughs> you are out of your mind. <laughs> no, I mean, it's well, it's it's funny. Like, because I mean, Dave and I, it, it's we 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 ride, we've we've juggled this through the past 10 years. Right. Like when I was mm-hmm. racing all over and like, ha- you know, having to be super, super, super fit and train, train, train. It was hard. You know, and I've been very candid about that. He's like, I miss riding with you. I'm like, I get it, but I can't do like, I can't juggle it all at this point. And it was, it was hard. There's no doubt about it. And we made it work. I would ride to meet him. You had very specific goals. You were, you were targeting events. You, you had asses to go and kick. I don't have asses to go and kick. Right. You know? Uh, but sometimes uh, like you need to kick your own ass a little bit. Like, I mean, and, and that's, I think that's what I, I was saying with this perimeter ride. Like, you know, Dave and I aren't that like on Hills we're a little more far apart, but like, you know, he's got a big engine and we can, if it's not super, super hilly, there's no problem. Like I, it's fun to hang on his wheel and he can, you know, we, we figure that out. Um, mm-hmm. But if it's going to be a hilly day, he's just like, just go. <laughs> he's just like, just go ahead. Like, <laughs> Get out of here. Or, or what it was fun leading up to the perimeter ride is I could actually like, I, I figured out the heart rate that was like good, like a threshold just below my threshold that put him into the red, but to help him train for the perimeter ride. And that was Ooh. cool too. So I acted sort of like a little bit of a pace car. Um, uh-huh. And we was just sort of figured that out. You know, but that takes a lot of communication and a lot of patience. And, you know, sometimes things there are hard feelings. There's going to be hurt feelings here and there. But that's where you just have to keep like talking. Yeah. Yeah. But I do. I Um, I guess I'm just getting at like, you know, you're still even though you're not looking for whatever you are still the ilk of cyclists. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, correct. You know, you better than I do. But it seems to me that you're still you still like to throw down. You still like to have a certain time. You still like to have a certain performance. And that takes, quote unquote, training at a certain point. Right. Or are you not interested in that at all? Hundred percent true. Um, Yeah, I like to ride hard. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, there have been times where I showed up to an event that because I'd been doing some easier rides, I was not as fit there and fast there as I might otherwise would have liked, but Mm -hmm. I still had a good day. I had a nice time. Right. Right. And I don't have any regrets about those other rides that I was doing. I was with the person that I wanted to be with. Uh, I was having the experience that I chose to have. Um, There was a, there was a ride I did with a a woman. Uh, We went out and it was a, a loop that was a little bit bigger than she really understood. Um, mm-hmm. We'd kind of chosen it together. You know, she knew the area um, and we got on uh, to this climb and it was the, the challenge was that it was sort of the only reasonably direct way to get home. And right, she got a little right. frustrated at, at uh, how quickly she was climbing Um and at one point she pulled over, she wanted to, to have a gel and recover for a minute. And she told me, just get out of here, just get out of here. <laughs> and I, I flat out refused. I just refused because I was determined that, you know, you got to figure every other guy she's ever ridden with followed orders. 
right. and, you know, would have left. And I was determined to show her that, no, not everybody is going to behave that way. And when I said I wanted to ride with you, I'm here to do that thing. How did that ride end up? Uh, I stayed with her to the end. And was she, did she get happier or was she still like, it's did she sincerely after, want you to go or was she happy that you stayed? I guess that's what I'm asking. Well, the funny thing was, I don't, I don't think she was ever going to let on that she was happy about it. But afterward, I got an email from her saying that she was really pretty impressed, um, sort of amazed that I'd, that I'd done that, uh, that I, I refused to listen to her. And I, hey, let me clarify. Most of the times when, when a woman tells you to, to, to do or not do something, especially if it's, you know, a first date or something, you need to listen. Right, right. Yeah. But That's this a is, bit of an exception. Was, yeah, I think this was an exception. Yeah. Uh, uh, good luck. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. Have I helped at all? <laughs> Just, yeah. Don't ask me uh, for dating advice. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for you. But I, uh, I, I don't know. Those are all sticky widgets or wickets or oh, whatever that is. Oh, they're sticky. Yeah. It's, whatever they are, they're yeah. sticky. Oh, yeah. Weird stuff. Um, okay. <gasps> Moving right <laughs> along. <laughs> um, baseline picks. What do you have this week? I am returning to another pick. I, you know, I, I remember a few months, maybe a year. Who knows? This time is funny. I had talked about Topical Edge. As one of my picks when it first I I experienced with it, which is a sodium bicarbonate um, lotion that absorbs through your skin to buffer the not your lactate because you're using your lactate, but the acid byproducts that make your legs burn and slow down. You know, people used to take it in pill form like track racers were notorious for it. And it's a Molotov cocktail in your gut. So you really shouldn't do that. Um, And then (laughs) this very brilliant man, uh, who at the time you mentioned had some sort of chemo application that yeah. he had. Yeah. Um, Cause this is patented stuff like that. It is transdermal. It goes in and it does just buffer that acid that you are by. So you can use the lactate that you're producing without all that negative stuff that you don't want. Um, yeah. Well, they've tweaked the formula a bit. So the stuff used to get really watery if you didn't shake it up and you know they've tweaked it a bit. And they renamed it and repackaged it because Topical Edge looked too much like suntan lotion and it sounded a little bit too much like <laughs> suntan lotion. So it's uh, it's now Amp Human PR lotion and uh, it's it's still sticky. It is what it is. It gets a little white stuff on your on your bibs. I mean, it's it is sodium bicarbonate. But uh, but man, man, it works. I put it on for day three of the ride. I didn't start out with it which was a hundred miles with more than 9,000 feet of climbing that I was, you know, doing with some of those guys I was talking about that I knew were going to be pushing on the Hills. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a remarkable sensation because you're still breathing hard and your heart rate is still up. But at the point where you're expecting the legs to start screaming and the searing and the, it, your legs are quiet. It's a really weird sensation, but it it works. I mean, it just it absolutely works. There's no question. I still contend that I think you could probably get yourself into trouble if you abused it. I, I, I think that there, I, I, I've, I've actually had conversations with them over there about that. And they're like, well, yeah, maybe. Um, but no, it should help you recover. And you know, there's a little question about that. But when you when I Man, for for certain situations where you could use it, it stuff works. That's all I that's all I can say about it. 
Have you tried it? I haven't gotten I've well, I've got the the previous iteration. I don't have the new tweaked formula. Yeah. So I should I should look into that. It's definitely, I, I'm definitely a believer. Yeah. Yeah. The the very first time I ever used it was in a cyclocross race. Which is perfect. And, I can't think of a better application for right? it. Right? Right? Yeah. And I I finished the race and like all but like one minute of the race was uh above threshold. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I was like, and, and I remember like downloading my data afterward and being like, I am not that fit currently. That can't possibly be right. It's crazy. And it was, it was, yeah, uh, it was absolutely remarkable. I yeah. don't know how long it lasts. Like, cause people were asking me that and I, I, I need to call them and have a conversation because I don't, I don't feel like it lasted the whole hundred miles and that would be shocking if it did without a reapplication. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I think you could probably reapply. I think they were going to have um, single serve kind of things that you could put in your pocket for just that that purpose. But for a cross race, are you kidding me? Like crits, cross, anything like that? It seems like a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd want some of those little sachets that they were doing at the original topical edge in my jersey yeah. pocket for one of the longer grasshoppers. <laughs> yeah, sure. I probably wouldn't be smart enough late in the day to remember to put it on, <laughs> but I would at least stick it in my Jersey. <laughs> right. It's good. There are things that just osmosis. It'll just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's close. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what do you have? Uh, well, so toward the end of last summer, I made one of my picks. This is also a revisit. Mm. The champion system yes. elite zipperless jersey didn't they ride that in the tour last summer wasn't that where it made its yes debut? okay yeah and and uh uae was was riding it as well yeah they they sponsored them i swear this is an idea whose time not only has come but probably came any number of years ago mm. it's incredibly lightweight i actually didn't bother to weigh it because it's just that lightweight it, it you know anybody who has a complaint about it the weight of that jersey is out of their mind. Um, uh, but it, it's meant to be a, a race cut Jersey. So it fits snug as a base layer. Uh, the agile material, that's the name of the material agile, mm -hmm. uh, is a four way stretch. And so it really does allow for a very aggressive fit. And the material is a mesh polyester. Uh, so it makes for an unusually breathable Jersey, but it doesn't sacrifice pockets. Um, the hem features a silicone gripper, you know, to help keep it in place. Uh, but this thing's very nearly see-through. You will see your bibs beneath the Jersey and your heart rate uh, monitor and, and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. And so they advise that you will need to apply sunscreen. Oh yeah. It doesn't gotcha. offer any, any sun protection. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the lack of that zipper in front that so often I don't ever mess with. Um, it makes the Jersey unbelievably comfortable. Really? And yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to try Do they have women's cuts? I know I asked you this last time. Do I don't know? recall. I don't recall. Uh, I, I just have, have a hard time up. wrapping my head around this thing. It's I, I'm in love with it. Really? Yeah. And you never and, go to unzip it. Oh, huh? No. Uh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm not a big, I, I don't like the feeling of something flapping in the wind. So I'm not it's a like big a cape. It's like a Superman cape. What don't you like about that? It's like superhero. <laughs> well, maybe it's this feeling of inauthenticity, uh, inauthenticity. 
<laughs> of me not feeling like a superhero. Okay, perhaps. I don't know. Anyway. I'm like Superman. <laughs> okay. I will, I will have to, I will reserve my judgment. I'll have to try. Anyway. Yeah. You will, it's, uh, it's your go-to. Seriously. Yeah. If the temperature is above 90 degrees and uh, it is currently clean, it's been going on me a, a bunch recently. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's $159. So, you know, not cheap, but it's not crazy expensive like some stuff. It's no, just, no, I mean, it's, it's the, the price of a good jersey, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, all they've done is eliminate the, the zipper, you know. Pockets? You, uh, did you mention it has pockets? Yeah. Three, three pockets in the rear. Normal three. capacity. Okay. Just like, yeah, just like anything else. I just think that this ought to be, you know, like, like thermal bib shorts. This is one of those other things that everybody just ought to have in their wardrobe when it gets super hot, pull this thing out, and it's a great solution. Um, I, I really like it a lot. Right. It's, it's More wonderful. Intrigued. Yeah. When I get up into Annadale and come out of the forest into some of those meadows and it, suddenly I feel like I've just walked into an oven, uh, it's pretty ideal for that. Yeah. Cool. I, I will. I, I am more intrigued. I will, I will, <laughs> I will investigate. Yeah. And of course, uh, our, our third unofficial pick, uh, Paceline Kits from <laughs> Primal. Um, yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm really enjoying that kit uh, on, on the cooler days. The hotter days, I'm still getting the other one out. Yeah. But. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I think that's a wrap for this episode of the Paceline. Uh, Celine. Are you pinning on a number this weekend? Or are you just recovering still? I, I, I forgot that I actually did sign up to pin on a number this weekend. <laughs> so I'm pinning. <laughs> I am pinning on a number. What, what that means has yet to be seen. It's a it's it's not a high stress event. It's actually a really fun event called the Middle Creek Gravel Grinder. And it's a it's one of those gravel grinders that's got a lot of single track and just fun stuff in it. So I'm I'm super looking forward to it even even if I don't have like great legs, we'll see, but it's going to be a fun day no matter what. It's just 50 miles of just really beautiful, really fun terrain. Nice. Yeah. Nice. You? You had a, uh, no, 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 no numbers, no numbers. <laughs> uh, I will ride this weekend. Um, but I'm going to keep it on the shorter side and I'm going to keep the intensity down. Yep. Um, hoping to do another tandem ride with my six year old. He's oh, cool. finally exactly tall enough to really fit on that thing. And he's digging the clipless pedals and oh. the itty bitty little, uh, sh- uh, North wave shoes. Oh my Lord. Uh, North wave makes a size 32. Yeah. Size 32. And they're a little big for him. So we kind of need to put on a second pair of socks. <laughs> but all right. He's, he's really, he, there have been a couple times where he's managed to clip into one of the pedals by himself. And he's super stoked about that. That's cool. Uh, it's yeah. So we've been, we've been having fun that way. And I want to do some more of that this weekend. Cool. Yeah. I will not be pinning a number on until the end of the month. Yeah. Sounds good. You did a really neat piece this week about paleo diets. Ooh. Talk about that a little bit. <laughs> people, people love it or they hate it when you talk about the paleo diet stuff. Right. Um, yes. It was interesting though. That was an interesting one because it was the first one to look at the gut biome of people who adhere adhere to the paleo diet in that they eat like no whole grains and all that. And they had 
considerably higher levels of, um, you know, by uh, bacteria that are associated with heart disease. You know, like it, it was it was quite a bit more. And people who eat whole grains have lower levels of those. And it's it's interesting just to watch like the gut biome in my mind is going is kind of everything. Like we're going to find out that a lot of things from mental health to physical health come down to our gut health and how that affects everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of just makes a lot of sense. And the the other component of that, and I, I wrote about another piece earlier about this is talking to paleo uh, biologists. Cavemen eat they ate grains. They ate they like they 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 actually did. They they ate whatever they could, and um, they ate wheats and grasses and all kinds of stuff. Like I'm not saying everybody should go out and eat a lot of pasta. That's not really what it's about. But um, yeah, like just the red meat and just no uh, whole grains may have some. You know the. These markers that they they found in the guts are very significantly associated with um, heart disease, more so than even cholesterol and other stuff like these markers are looking like increasingly important. So, oh, I didn't understand that they were potentially even more or definitely even more important. than cholesterol. They are potentially more important. I mean, this is like the people are looking at this as a very a pretty significant, serious marker. Wow. Yeah. Um, I like whole wheat bread. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay to have it is okay to have some grains. And I understand, yes, the grains have been modified, blah. Yeah. Everything has been modified over time. I mean, try to eat close to nature. I get it. But um whenever you cut out like just think about things should make sense. You know, things should make sense. Cavemen had a very different life. They didn't live that long. Once we actually started agriculture, like the lifespan increased exponentially, our population exploded you know it yeah. wasn't it wasn't a bad time for humanity honestly yeah um, well and then there's the whole evolutionary aspect of you know just look at our teeth our teeth are designed to eat anything well and that's how they found out like that the study that was i was talking about that i reported on earlier they found like cavities associated with sugar i mean the cavemen were eating sugar they weren't just eating they were eating sweet it, tooth hello <laughs> your, your brain likes glucose anyway um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll put, yeah, put a link yeah. on that in the, on the show notes. Yeah. Well, hey, everybody, uh, keep those questions coming. You all have been sending some great stuff, uh, <clears throat> Neil included. <laughs> if you've got an idea, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one on one interviews. Think Terry grows for cyclists. The show's on hiatus this week, but we'll be back next week. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.